and welcome back to Surround Sound, the podcast where we spread the love of music through casual conversations about the art form and its industry. I'm Matt. I'm not Matt. I'm Darius, and I'm joined today by our favorite entertainment enthusiast, Matthew. How are you doing today, Matt? I'm doing very well, thank you. Thank you for having yeah. me. Good. Good to be back, man. Good to be back. Okay, so... uh Today, we're going to explore a musical genre that I personally am very unfamiliar with, and it's something that I know Matt over here has been pining to talk about for a long time. Uh, We're going to be talking about Japanese entertainment. So, Matt and I are going to chat a bit about what we know about this broad category of music, media, and culture, from anime to J-pop to the expansive world of video game music. And if you like what you hear... Don't forget to check us out on Spotify and YouTube for other casual conversations, as well as on Instagram and Facebook to ch- to interact with us, get to know us. We'd love to get to know you, hear from you, and get the latest on our future content. So, background. While we know Japanese music to generally have a very unique approach, you know, harmonically, and with sounds to the old oriental style, like the, the, the feudal empires and whatnot. Matt, can you share with me, as someone that doesn't know anything, and maybe our listeners, anything that you think would be important uh, regarding Japan, Japanese history or culture, that you think is relevant to the musical style today? Yeah, I mean, before, before we kind of dig into like Japan itself, I, I actually want to ask you a question. Um, when you actually listen to like, okay, let's take like Middle Eastern music for example. Do you, do you find like the cultural aspect to be very important to like the music itself? I do. I believe that I believe that having a cultural understanding of of the music gives you a better sense of what you're hearing. Exactly. That's that's kind of what we're gonna um, dig into at least in this section is that. Understanding like Japanese culture is actually um, actually very important to understanding its music because its culture is actually profoundly impacted by the history, um, by the culture, by the religion, um, yeah, by all these factors that are that are not like you know that are not like music theory per se, but they're all impacting the way that uh, music is music is played and music is um, emotions are evoked through music. Um, obviously, uh, I think a lot of our listeners who are from America know that um, Japan was kind of like an enclosed society. And during the 1800s, the, the reason why they opened up was because Matthew Commodore and Matthew Perry kind of forced it to be open. And Japan was kind of forced into this situation where they really had to open it up. They were like, oh, wait, hold on. There's a whole other world out there and we just kind of didn't explore it. Um, and so that kind of made them go like, oh wait, we need to improve because there are all these like technology that we're u- not used to. They're, they were they used to be like using swords and all that, um, like a lot of the countries that um, the Western were trying, the Westerners were trying to colonize and all that. And the Japanese realized, wait, we really need to do something to improve ourselves. So what they did was uh, the quote unquote the Westernization movement was that um, the J- Japan kind of adopted Western technology. The, they really wanted to learn the Western philosophy, um, such as math, um, such as science, especially technology and weaponry, and also 
constitutional monarchy. That was that was a very interesting one, at least from a Japanese perspective. So they really adopted like these Western philosophies and Western ideologies. And once they started adopting it, you could really see like a lot of the um, a lot of the cultural aspect of Japan has these Western influences in them. Um, it's not just the obviously the way they behave is very Asian, and you could see a lot of like the Confucian and Confucianism aspect kind of like being invoked in there. But the way that they write about music, uh, the way they write music is very close to like the Western rock and also synth music. It's not the Chinese, um, uh, the pentatonic tones and all that. It's very Western actually. You could it, actually they adopted they actually kind of kept a lot of like the Western. Um, genres instead of trying to progress into the more Asian aspect, which I find that very interesting, and it's very reminiscent of Western ideologies, which I think is actually um, quite an uh, like not amazing, but I would say it's more like I don't know how to say like interesting feat that I I don't understand why they didn't just move into like more Japanese ancient Japanese music where. Um, the popular music were more like Western and all that, and I find that just just quite fascinating. Yeah, there you go. Fascinating you, was the word. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you remember when we were talking about film music with Oscar Pan? Shout out to Oscar Pan, by the way, if he's listening. Uh, do you remember when we talked about our top our top film scores and whatnot? I brought up The Last Samurai, which was written by Hans Zimmer, but it told the story of the end of the feudal empires of Japan and the industrialization into the modern world, and that score was just such a fascinating like example of uh, the sort of uh, like the sort of Western fusion similar to Life of Pi, which we talked about in that same episode uh, with Indian music. That sort of fusion of styles that just came so naturally because Orientalism and Oriental like uh, pentatonic scale wasn't a big thing in Japan. It wasn't something that naturally levitated like in song or folklore and whatnot. You know, so. Listeners, if you're listening, you know, and you're hearing us talk about this, go check it out. Go check out the top three film score music. It's really a great episode where we talked about that. Yeah, I think actually you brought up a, a really good movie, kind of like describing what was going on historically in terms of the historical context. Um, obviously, like there, there's storylines and there are a lot of like bending and twisting in terms of storyline in order to kind of progress the story in general. The thing is that like you kind of see like the death of a culture, which is the samurai culture. Um, in the Last Samurai, that's why it's called the Last Samurai. Um, but you kind of see that like Westernization that Japan is progressing into the to to the um, to to Western cultures and just adopting it. I kind of like kind of throwing away their traditions, which is kind of something that the samurais didn't really want. Um, but the monarchy were definitely against the Japanese people. So um, yeah, that that that. That movie actually brought it up pretty well because it kind of gives a historical context of what's going on here. Yeah, so I would say to our listeners, in addition to listening to the music, go watch the movie. It would tell you so much about like Japanese history and whatnot that would like even though the characters and the the basic plot of the film are fictitious, the sort of concepts behind, like Matthew said so eloquently, the death of a culture really play into you know how the style builds and whatnot. So. Great, thank you for that, Matt. I I already feel like I know a lot more than than when this podcast started. So with that, let's fast forward to the present with a more economic business standpoint. Since you are the man on this podcast for business, business, uh, investing, entertainment, and all of that good stuff, who dominates this media consumer base? 
What company is that? Who do you feel, or who are the big key players that play into sort of like how J how Japan represents itself in a cultural and and、uh, musical way in the world? Well, from an economic standpoint, first of all, Michelle is our go-to person. But、uh, I kind of dig a lot of research into、uh, the Japanese market, so I do have like an,、uh, a more insightful understanding of the Japanese market itself.、Uh, when we talk about the economics, it's、um, really about, after all, income and money.、Um, the beautiful thing about the Japanese economics is that it's very、um, the income distribution is very equal, and it's also the third biggest economic、uh, economy in the world. If I'm correct, be just behind the U.S. in terms of like GDP gross,、uh, yeah, gross GDP,、um, <clears throat> and I think it's it's up there with、uh, GDP per capita. And if you look at it, it's actually a very big economy, just behind China and the States. So, so that's why that's why entertainment can really flourish because once you have once people are making money. Once people are not really thinking about, oh, I need to, I need to, I need to make, I need to、uh, save money so that my children can go to edu,、uh, can get a good education, my children can survive. Now I can start thinking about, hey, how can I entertain myself so that I can relieve from stress? I can go listen to some music, go check out some、uh, Broadway, go go watch some movie. That's why entertainment really flourishes flourishes in this country is because people actually have have some money, and the only way this can happen is that you have. You can't have huge income disparity because if you have too many rich people, if too many poor people, you only have the rich people who can really enjoy entertainment while the poor people are really struggling. But you need a big middle class, and that's exactly what we see here in、um, in in Japan.、Uh, I, I I dug some research, and you could see that like、uh, the 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 segment in terms of like the top versus the bottom is eighteen percent to ten percent, whereas the U.S. is really forty five forty six percent. Um, is is in the top ten percent of wealth, and that's a lot. Can I clarify that? What forty six percent of what of Americans? Uh, or... yeah, uh, forty forty yeah, forty six percent of Americans are having top ten percent of wealth share. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, whereas it's only eighteen percent for Japan. I see. I yeah, see. so you could tell that the income distribution is actually、uh, is actually quite equal. So there's a big middle class in Japan. Which is great for entertainment. That means a lot of people can start spending more money to to you know go out and enjoy themselves and go you know go check out shows and that. So that's what makes Japan such a great、um, entertainment economics、uh, from that standpoint. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, and it makes so much sense too that if the middle class is able to afford this great media, you know, it only leaves room for greater expansion and like and like entrepreneurship and innovation. Really, among anything else in 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 their country and in their and in their enterprises, which kind of leads into the big key cultural representations of Japan in the world, anime. You love anime, and、right. you're the one that actually was one of the major people that introduced me to anime.、Mm -hmm. And you know, like for our listeners, Matt and I have been friends for like five years now, and he's been pushing me to watch Attack on Titan. <laughs> I will tell you right now, Matt. I watched the first episode last week, and <laughs> it was pretty good. And I know that even if I'm like not totally into it in the beginning, I have to get sort of like watch a season or watch a few episodes to really sink in. But when we're thinking about anime, like what defines the genre? We we call, we know anime literally translates to Japanese animation. But what would you say, whether it's musically or or like culturally? That makes anime so like 
uh, universal. It, it, it touches people outside of Japan so well. What, what about anime do you like? I mean, you're, you're not Japanese, I'm not Japanese. What about it, like, has so much appeal? Well, let me, let me ask you, actually, again, let me ask you a question, is that what, what makes you think, like, animations is, just animations in general, right? What makes animations so popular? Because it's, it's not real, after all. Like, why do we care about animations? Have you ever, have people actually ever thought about that question? I think people don't. I think that's something people take for granted. On the top of my head, my guess would be that animations sort of take us away from our current world. Take us away from the environment that we live in. Or they're a way for which we can connect with an idea or with a certain like character trait that helps us sort of understand ourselves better in what we're watching. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean you kind of nailed it. Um, uh, anime, it just cartoons and animations in general put us in the world that like... You know, we're fascinated by superhuman moves. I mean, it's not it's not just anime itself. Where we're talking about, I don't know, um, Elsa from from Frozen. I, I don't know. People can't just make ice out of nowhere. I mean, that's impossible, right? I wish I could just touch everything that becomes ice. Actually, I don't. But it's gonna be <laughs> kind of cold. But um, I mean, that, that that's that's superhuman moves. I mean, when we're talking about anime, when we talk about Naruto, I mean, an eye can just like uh, the Sharingan can just make you all. Uh, I don't know, make you kind of like wander into new territories what and yeah and then there's those situations i'm sorry to interrupt you and then there's those situations where there are a bunch of filler episodes where naruto just goes into a ramen shop and just eats ramen for the whole episode <laughs> and he does that like six times exactly so, i mean that's 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 the beautiful thing about uh animations in general is that you can pull off superhuman things without no knowing the fact that it's not realistic i was actually just watching another um, another anime recently uh, I watched this anime like I don't know three years uh, no during my high school years but I kind of pulled it back because you know just why not which, um, which one it's called Kuroko no Basketball and you got these I, I, I by the way for listeners who don't know I play basketball um, and you got these like superhuman like middle schoolers who can shoot three pointers a hundred percent like who the F does that like no like this only happens and <laughs> obviously this only happens in anime so that's the beautiful thing about anime, but I think what really uh, what really separates from anime uh, to like I don't know Rick and Morty or even just like Disney cartoons in general is that, Western animation. Yeah, Western or I mean just Japanese anime from everybody else is that um, I think that Japanese anime has these like really interesting concepts that they really explore. Um, like really interesting, um, like very diverse um, uh, of genre. Obviously, you got like the very like. Um, I would say not, you know, uh, I would say like abnormal ones like hentai, um, which is just basically pornography. Uh, but you got these other like, <laughs> yeah, you got these other very um, interesting concepts such as Attack on Titans. You know, you got these giant and it's kind of embedded into politics. Um, I'm not going to I'm not going to spoil the story for you, but it kind of embeds into like these like, real world themes that we um, like you wouldn't think a cartoon would explore into. Um, you obviously got sports anime like Kuroko and also Haikyuu. You also got like super fantastical ones, which is like Shonen, um, such as uh, Jujutsu Kaisen and also Naruto. So you got like such a wide breadth of just genres, and that and I think I think that that just kind of speaks to like the creativity of the authors and how they're able to come up with these like just like very interesting concepts. 
and it's not just like one concept like these people can pull off like superhuman moves but they have to like expand on it and write like series of episodes and episodes and episodes and episodes of it expanding on this one core idea and i think i think that's what makes an anime so like captivating and that's what separates anime from a lot of the other different types of shows yeah yeah absolutely i think that's like legitimately the key thing about about it it's that it's that anime brings a sense of realism as opposed to western animation like japanese culture if it's one thing that that the japanese have really mastered with their animation style it's that it brings a a, a sort of surrealist realism if that makes any sense because surrealism refers to like thinking outside of yourself but realism is about thinking about yourself and how you fit into the world so I would say that's something about anime that really, I guess, fascinates people. The relatability. The relatability and the escape. Yeah, exactly. And also, you have to realize that um, anime, one thing that's fascinating about anime is people are actually hand-drawing this. Uh, it, I, I know, like, it goes through uh, Western Western, um, Western animation, but you have to know that animation in general, people are hand-drawing every single frame. So, for example, if it's 60 frames per second, you're literally drawing 60 different frames like different pictures or different whatever they call it um per second and imagine that being for 24 minutes i mean that's uh that's difficult and imagine doing that for like an action-packed sequence that's that's a first of all that's a lot of money and that's also a lot of details that they have to draw so that's also another thing that makes um anime just some an, an art in itself like literal art in itself like you're literally watching art in motion yeah yeah so, so, I mean, hey, let's bring it back, you know, let's bring it back to, like, a, a, pra a practical and a marketing standpoint. Like, what about anime and pop brings, like, what about anime and pop appeals to consumers? What about, what about, like, this, this form of animation and entertainment? Uh, what, why is it so easy to access? How do people, how do people know about this in the Western world? Is there, like, a major player that you might happen to know about that, that plays a key role in bring a role in bringing anime to the West. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, there, 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 there. Um, Netflix uh, and those, um, those companies out there. But I do want to start out with how it first reached overseas. Um, anime obviously started from Japan, and it sort of actually reached out into the Asian countries first. I mean, if you look at a lot of like different types of uh, uh, entertainment, it first reached out to the most, the closest to its cultural like. Uh, cultural similarities. So for Japan, it would probably be first be the Asian cultures. And obviously, me as a Taiwanese person, we love anime here. So a lot of people here, because we love the Japanese culture, so obviously anime is just kind of synonymous with uh, <laughs> with the Japanese culture. So a lot of people here yeah. are going to watch anime. So uh, we were actually one of the first markets that the anime, mark, uh, the anime industry in general first moved into and then they start slowly going to the west um obviously one of the biggest movement was um technology in general because because there's technology because there's internet because there's also streaming it's better to distribute these content um across different countries and obviously one of the biggest streaming content is obviously netflix um netflix was one of the first few companies that actually distributed um anime um, in their in their platforms and then the second one is Sony Sony is actually one of the biggest players not just in um, not just in anime but also um, in entertainment in general now we know that Sony is not uh, when we think about Sony we're thinking about like cameras 
uh, uh, PlayStations and um, again, PlayStations has a lot to do with it. Their PlayStation, um, the gaming industry, whatever it is. Um, <clears throat> but also like like cameras and all that. But one big factor is that they have like an entertainment part of their business, which is huge. Um, Sony Music Entertainment obviously has to do it, but other aspect of um, of Sony is Sony Motion Pictures, and um, Sony Motion Pictures uh, cooperates with a lot of different companies. Such I mean I could name a bunch of it, such as Marvel, Disney, um, just a lot of different Mar- 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 uh, uh, Disney companies that they they often like cooperate with in order to make a lot of the produ- uh, productions happen. Um, so under Sony, actually, Sony acquired two of the biggest um, anime streaming companies. Funimation and Crunchyroll. Uh, they recently just, uh, I think they recently just acquired Crunchyroll and that allowed them to really distribute different types of content. I mean, when we talk about um, just uh, entertainment in general or like media companies in general, what, what, like I said, like, like I said before, content, 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 content matters. And because they're, they have a unique content that's very different from everybody else, um, Crunchyroll and Funimation is able to survive um, in this very competitive market. Yeah, no, totally. It's so funny that you mentioned, like, Funimation. I actually want to come back to Funimation when we get to our next big point. But uh, I think now would be a great time to take a quick uh, a quick break. So let's take a quick break, and we'll come back with more conversation about Japan and its media right here on Surround Sound. Okay, welcome back to Surround Sound, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. We are talking about Japanese entertainment, anime, J-pop, and another big factor, another big player that we're going to talk about later. But first, uh, let's wrap up a conversation we were having earlier about Sony and about how like Sony is a major player in the music industry, especially in the Japanese entertainment industry. Matt, what else do you have to say about Sony? Well, uh, Sony in itself is a huge company. I think it's one of the most diverse companies besides from maybe Tencent and Amazon. Um, Sony, it's it's interesting how Sony operates because like I said before, Sony has its own like hardware business, which is more the TV and all that. And then it has its entertainment business and it is, its entertainment business is huge. Uh, one of them being gaming. It's actually one of the biggest gaming companies in the world. I mean, we're not just talking about Tencent here. We're also talking about Microsoft, which it has its own Xbox. And then we're also talking about a lot of the other gaming industry, uh, the, the small ones that is such as, um, I, I mean, there, there, there are a lot of them. I, I, it's just not on top of my head for now. But in terms of gaming, let me just give you like kind of a context of how big this company is in terms of how big a player it is. Actually, it's just second to Microsoft in terms of the biggest gaming hardware companies directly competing with Microsoft's Xbox because it has its own PlayStation um, environment and all that and consoles. And the second one is it's generated $25 billion in revenue in fiscal year 2021. Obviously, the pandemic has something to do with it and PS5 sold very, very well. But $25 billion, I mean, like Apple in general, um, Apple as a whole uh, generated about $60 billion in total revenue. And Sony is able to generate $25 billion. I mean, that's 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 quite incredible. Um, the second part of it, um, I wish we had, uh, I wish we were going to have an episode talking about this company, uh, Sony Music Entertainment. It originally came from Columbia, Columbia Records. Um, 
So obviously we, we know about Sony Music Entertainment. I'm not gonna dive into too much about it because we just uh, we'll, we'll talk about this company some other time. But uh, it's one of the big three music entertainment companies alongside Universal and Warner Me- uh, Warner Mus- Music Group. It generates eight billion U.S. dollars. Yeah, not a lot. Just just you know whatever. <laughs> um, and it mostly includes publishing, music record sales, and musical rights. That that's mostly what um, a lot of the music record labels do and publishing companies do. Um, the third one is motion pictures. It's again six point nine billion dollars. That's Jesus. Jeez, I mean, yeah, it's a huge business, and it involves, like I said previously, it involves with many other companies, studios such as Disney. Um, so Sony has always been like such a big player, just in terms of like the entire entertainment industry, and it's really interesting because Sony. When we think about Sony, we always think about the robotics, the hardwares, and all that. Um, but we never think about them as an entertainment company until you really break down the numbers and you see, oh, you know, wow. They really do a lot for us here. And um, Sony, um, like a lot of like the bigger companies, um, they, they, they do a lot of acquisitions. I think a big, part of, a big part of the reason why they're so huge and so dominating and domineering in terms of this entire industry is just acquisition, acquisition, acquisition. They have not stopped. Um, I think one report says that they have already spent around uh two to three billion dollars in terms of acquisitions just in like the first quarter alone i mean that's 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 a lot of money um not a lot of companies have that amount of cash just to spend acquiring companies much less like in a year much less like in a quarter so you can tell like sony's being extremely aggressive and is a huge player just in terms of like the entire entertainment industry yeah, absolutely. That that's really great information that you collected, Matt. Thank you so much for sharing that, dude. Uh, so you've kind of already spoiled the elephant in the room, the the third major tier aspect of Japanese entertainment uh, that we're gonna t- that we're gonna talk about right now, or actually not right now, video game music. But before we jump right into that, Matt and I have actually prepared a couple of sound samples that we want to listen to with you guys. And uh, see what, and, and let's just spitball some ideas. You know, what do you what do you think about this stuff? Here is from Attack on Titan, Irwin's Charge theme. Holy moly, dude! Like, like, holy moly! Like, I, I, I'm, 
this is this is like heavy. It, it's like shocking how like like just upon first reaction of this, I haven't. I know this isn't the whole the full track, and I know you were like like giving me the give me the cue like keep playing it. But like, dude, like just that alone, the first minute and a half is like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, like this actually, yeah, yeah. When I when, the reason why I kind I kind of told you to keep going is because the best part is about to come, and I could actually already see it in your reaction. Like, you're so ready, like just to keep going. Um, not to spoil kind of the story. This is um, um, Irwin. Obviously, it's called Irwin Speech, but the real title is called The Ape Titan. Um, this this music is really talking about Irwin as a character. Um, uh, I don't want to spoil the story for you, but Irwin is this um general that he's a leader of a squad, and um, you know, when it comes to war, uh, you know, soldiers can be terrified because they don't want to die. Um, but Erwin is kind of that like leader um, that he kind of brings them into into war and makes sure that they are rallied together. And this is th this is exactly how what is describing is that they're rallying the the troops together and make sure that they they just charge for it and just keep going. And that's one beautiful thing about this entire story that they make war don't seem like oh people just die okay whatever you know. But war is actually terrifying you know people don't want to die and and it's very realistic. Um, one more thing that I just want to say about like the music that the reason why I really love about the music is the way it combines synths um, and also combining like Hans Zimmer style writing. You could tell from a lot of like the dun 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 dun. dun. That's very Hans Zimmer um, Pirates of the Caribbean writing um, and all his other like war related um, film scores that he has written. And then there's the later bits. Um, there's the choir section. Um, which is completely just, I mean, the only word that I can say is epic. It's just epic. It's just incredibly epic. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it really sounds like it. And I mean, that this is a definitely a pretty accurate representation of a lot of anime music. Because when there's like tension and when there's like the fights and stuff going on, the rhythmic accuracy of the writing matches the scenes because that's how film score that's how screen score composers like oscar pan our friend and others they write music they write music with a with a scene that's entirely muted and they add the music to rhythmically fit the, the fight sequence you know if you will yeah that's also one thing right you don't want music to only talk like you don't want music to be music you want music to be merged with the story itself and i think that's what it's beautifully done here i mean a lot of I mean, there are a lot of great film scores out there but when you com combine with like good film score with great story, I mean, there's nothing even better. I mean, Attack on Titans is a really, really good story. Um, but like the film score is also just, if you separate the film score and just listen to it itself, nothing better. Yeah, yeah, dude, thank you so much for sharing this. This was, this was awesome. Like now I feel even more motivated to check out Attack on Titans. So uh, trust me, my boy, I will be doing that. So, all right. I know you've been asking me for two years, but it's going to happen this summer. So, all right. Okay, so that was our anime sample. Now, let's talk a little bit about J-pop. J-pop is a very niche thing. I don't think J-pop has as much uh, track in the Western world as K-pop. But what I can say is that J-pop definitely has a really like interesting contrast to any of the other Western like pop Asian styles that I've heard. I've heard Chinese songs, like pop songs in Chinese, and I've heard K-pop. There's really nothing quite like this. Do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, uh, it's it's interesting that you talk about C-pop and also K-pop. C-pop being um, Chinese pop. Um, C-pop has its own like just kind of um, 
we call it shu qing ge. Shu qing ge means like kind of like giving out your emotion type of songs. It's very it's very ballad type songs. Um, just uh very emotional about. It's usually love songs anyways, and they're kind of like emotional. So if you're depressed, these are one of the. Oh, or if you broke up, um, these are the songs that that you go to. Um, K-pop. The reason why that K-pop, especially BTS and also Blackpink, and then also previously is probably because uh, G Dragon and all that. Uh, the reason why it's so popular is because uh, cute boys, like you know, and hot girls. Like that's really what it is, and also the dance. Um, the dance is very exotic. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's nothing to not love about K-pop. Um, K-pop is also very fun. There's a lot of good music out there, but it's just the energy that they're able to create. Um, it's very, it's very distinct, and it's also fun. And it's just, yeah, it brings out a lot of joy, uh, especially for dance groups out there. So, I mean, how about how about J-pop though? It's very funny. J-pop is so much different from how the other like Asian countries adopt music, how they Westernize, quote unquote, Westernize music because. C-pop is not just like uh, these like love songs. C-pop actually also has rap and all that, and they it's very close to what the Americans like track. Uh, sorry, trap music sounds like, but but the Japanese have their very like very distinct taste to it, and 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 when they adopt like a genre, a Western genre, they have like their very like distinct taste to it, and you can you can hear a lot of like the Western influences, but it's very different from the Western track. I mean, the two songs that we're going to listen to, they're 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 completely different. You wouldn't associate them with the Beatles, or you wouldn't even associate them with the uh, the Metallica and all, all those like. Very iconic, um, iconic like bands from the '80s or the '90s, um, because it's very different. Uh, they 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 have their own taste. And I, one thing that I really love about these rock bands is that they really rock it out. Like they really have, they give their soul and just they have such, like these funkiness to their music that it's just so fun when you listen to it. It's like you can't stop. Yeah, dude. It's yeah. loud and it's just great. <laughs> yeah. So let's go ahead and jump right into this first track. Uh, this. Correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but this first track is by Lisa, the Japanese pop singer. And what is it called? What is the name of this song? Uh, it's called Gurenge. It's actually uh, it's actually a love song. Um, it's actually about love. Um, I I can't okay. remember. Yeah, I can't remember the the direct translation, but I know that it's it's about love, and it's the um, it's the opening track. It's the opening song, of um of Demon Slayer. Oh, of Demon Slayer. That's how this is popular. All right. Yes. All right. Oh no! It was popular before Demon Slayer, but you know this just made it even more popular. Okay. All right. So let's take a quick look. I'm 
jam. <laughs> I love that, how that, that was. A, yeah, what, what was your initial thought about it? I mean, I've listened to this song numerous times, so I wonder what was your initial reaction. It, it's it, it's it, it's very similar, actually, to the anime. It kind of takes the same sort of, like, epicness and, and intensity that the anime track had, you know, and just throw in vocals to, like, soar over it all. It almost, you know what it is? It almost reminds me of Frozen, the music from Frozen. With that same sort of impact, you know. Yeah, yeah. The 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 the, the quote unquote. Remember when we talk about Frozen Two? Uh, uh, when we talk about sort of not just let it go, but also into the unknown. That that explosion yeah. aspect of the song. That yeah, exactly. This is what it's got. Uh, it's just that Disney did it with an orchestra and this is with a rock band. Um, I think yeah. one one thing that I really love about just Japanese rock in general is that um, unlike like. Um, the, a lot of like the trap music, uh, and also just um, yeah, the trap and also the rap music in 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 America, uh, a lot of the trap like tracks. I can't say that it's such a tongue twister, but a lot of like the traps in general, you can you can hear that the um, the drum beats are not real. Um, they're they're uh, they're MIDI files. You could you could tell you could really hear it. But in this one, the 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 um the drum beats and also the drum that really rocks it out because it really resonates and a lot of the japanese uh drummers are no joke they're virtuosic yeah yeah they, they sound like like they sound like the models that you would hear on like guitar hero or something it, it like they're actually really good they're very good they're intense um and like also, they're actually like they're actually great players you know? yeah yeah i mean also one more thing how many how many i mean just think about all the pop songs that you know how many pop songs are written in minor keys not many. Not, generally, not as many as you would expect. Exactly, and this is one of those minor key, minor key, uh, minor key rock songs that out there. Uh, that that's what makes it like kind of ominous and also like, you know, just <laughs> great music. Great music. It's different. It's different. The the harmonics are also different because it's not just using five. It's actually using minor five sometimes. Um, I know I'm talking. I'm getting into harmonies, but yeah, it just it's just very diverse. It's very different. Yeah, and that's different. what makes it so beautiful and the fusion aspect is all there you know me i'm all about fusion in my middle eastern music episode fusion is something that i just think is so cool and unique and universal about music that everybody can sort of understand everybody can connect to music that has fusions of cultures in them so yeah really cool and one, one last thing her voice is is goddess level just Ariana Grande level goddess. Oh, oof. yeah. Honestly, oof. yeah. We don't need we don't need the lyrics to like to get to feel something from this. You know what I mean? Let's uh let's go right on to our second track. This is the Oral Cigarettes. The band called the Oral Cigarettes. I don't quite know what an Oral Cigarette is, but it sounds very interesting. Um, so I'm already intrigued. <laughs> uh, maybe it's like an air kiss or something with a cigarette. And what's the name of the title, Matt? Uh, it's called Kyorong Hei Kids. It means uh, Kyorong in, in in Chinese is called Kuang Luan. Kuang Luan means chaotic. So it's like Hey Kids chaotically. Yeah, I well, mean it, it kind it, it actually kind of describes the song, but all right, let's have a look.
Oh my god. <laughs> like, oh my god. This is literally... This is literally, like, taking what we said about the last one and hyping it up even more. I know. That fusion, that fusion thing, like, the rock band is so much more involved in this in this song than in the last one. Like, it's almost as if the rock band is actually leading the, the like... The attention of the listener because the lyrics correct me if i'm wrong they're singing in english they're singing in english like but it's just very like mellowed down you know yeah i mean they they do sing in both english and japanese um i think one thing that first of all the opening riff (laughs) don't i mean don't you just hear a little bit of like that funk um yeah the opening riff and also the virtuosic guitar playing is something that's just so reminiscent of the 80s and uh, 70s and 80s. Um, sorry, what is it? Oh, yeah, rock bands that you, you don't really hear it now. Um, now it's more about trap and uh, how much how many words you can say in like a, a, a minute and stuff. Uh, but now it's just like you got these like very virtuosic like instrumental playing. That's uh, uh, that's that, that just that just separate itself from like the Western. It kind of adopt like the old Western and it gives it in, its own taste. And have you noticed like the voice itself is also very different. It's not actual like natural voice. Is uh, I think it's I don't know what I don't know what sound it is, but I think it's one of those like if you talk to the speaker that type of voice thing. Again, that's again that's very reminiscent of like the eighties and the seventies rock. Um, the yeah. Queen did it. Um, I think I think the Beatles did it as well. But <laughs> yeah, dude, this this is fantastic. I know, it and also the double the double bass drum that you hear. Yeah, dude, it it's it's fantastic. Like, I, I really yeah, dude, this is so cool. Okay, so now it's time to tackle the elephant in the room. We we've been me- mentioning it many times this whole episode, but now it is the final time to listen to play take this on video game music i know a good amount i mean i've grown up with video games since like i was uh seven years old six years old i personally am a very like innocent child you know i I don't i don't play like like first person shooters or anything like that i am a nintendo classic fan i love mario i love luigi and i'm i also like sega which is actually more of a japanese representation than nintendo like, Nintendo has become very, very westernized as a company. So, I actually like Sonic the Hedgehog a lot. That's another example of, like, a brand of, of video games that I'm a big fan of. Mario and Sonic, those are my two things. But, um, I know, for example, that, like, there are some key composers th- in Japanese, like, video games that contributed immensely to the genre of video game style. For example, we're talking about Mario. The number one composer for Mario is Koji Kondo. This is the guy that wrote the music that was, like, back in nineteen eighty five that just expanded and grew into this whole wide array of of like like innovative uh instrument instrumentation and 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 looping style because another thing video game music there's a very key aspect to the harmony and melody and that is that everything loops there are loops within a few a, a couple minute period um Matt, what do you what what do you what do you think about this? Like, do you have any do you have any contributions to what I've said so far? One thing that I do have to say, first of all, when we talked to uh, Oscar about like just uh, video games, I know he really talked about Mario. He said he really liked the Mario track. I think one thing that makes Mario track more, um, I think, just different is that it kind of adopted a, a wider range of different style. One of them being jazz. Again, Western adopted. Um, the second part of it is just the sync 
Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, the sync, uh, the synchronization of the rhythm that just makes it so addicting. Um, I remember one of my um, one of my middle school teachers like, if you can dictate, as in if you listen to it, and then if you can write down, um, the 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 entire the opening, and not just the opening, the main theme of Mario thing, the dum ba 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 dum. That theme, then you you graduated from music university already. That just tells you how difficult and how much synchronization is being used in this. Entire yeah,、thing. the melodies are very technical. Like the music that, let's say, video game music that, let's say, doesn't is has a melody that's underneath the gameplay are very complicated. They're very complicated musical lines that I guess sort of like that I guess sort of like somehow work with the gameplay. And that it gives more like attention to the gameplay while not actually thinking about what you're hearing. Exactly. So yeah, one thing about game music in general, I I know that I know this from like just being with a, around with a lot of composers is that you want to make memorable melodies just like how you write for film music, right? You want to make sure like the users or the players that. That are playing the、um, that are playing the game itself can associate one thing with one specific music. The idea of like light motif, you know,、um, it's the same idea, and,、uh, and you have to do it with like a very short span of time because gaming you, you're not gonna listen to like a a, a ten minute uh, uh, theme be expanded into one specific area. That's just not gonna happen.、Um, so and you have to make it loop and so that and it, it doesn't sound boring after repetition, you know. So yeah, gaming gaming music is actually very tough. It's actually very tough、yeah. writing, despite the fact that it's being so,、uh, being being such a short span of time. So, since we're on the topic of Mario, our first track is a direct Mario uh, uh, track from a actually really popular game in the Mario like mainline franchise, Super Mario Galaxy. This one has received huge critical acclaim because it was the first major Mario video game to include a full symphony orchestra. For the entire scoring of the music, and Matt, you should have seen this coming. I am an orchestral musician. Orchestra is my my career, my dream, my life. I couldn't help but bring this up. So we're gonna play a track from Super Mario Galaxy, and I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this. And I think what we'll do actually before I before I start、uh, for the next three, we've got three tracks、uh, for video game music for everybody. To listen to, we're gonna just play one loop, either one loop or two loops of the whole thing, depending on how long the loop is. Okay, so here we go.
Damn. Dang. I mean, you know, you know what's funny is that the first thing when I listened to this music, uh, I think, I think it 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 really reminded me of How to Train Your Dragon, but also like a lot of like Joe Hisaishi's um Joe Hisaishi's uh, film scores that he wrote. And one thing, the reason why I say that is because it does sound a lot like Western writing. Um, it's interesting because the harmonic language is not very different from um. A lot of the orchestral music that you're gonna listen, you're gonna hear a lot, especially like classical film scores and all that. So that's what makes it like just fun. And I I know Darius just had to include all the wind solos, starting from oboe and then trumpet and then even more oboe. <laughs> and then I think just a lot of like just he just had to do that. He just had to do that. Of course. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, totally. This is like a perfect example of that. You know, I'm so glad you enjoyed that. Yeah. Day. I mean, I'm sure you I'm sure you've heard it before. Yeah. Here's our next track. The next track I want to share with you actually is from the rival company to Nintendo, which I mentioned is Sega. Sega has always been, like, Sega started out its first 15 years when they made Sonic as trying to rival the great Mario, trying to sort of come up with new, um, innovative, American, more American-styled ways, like, to sort of capture their audience with their music and with their play style. Uh, in the 90s, they, they, took, they took advantage of the 90s pop culture with, like, 90s, elementary 90s rap and, like, other, like, rock type of, like, sound styles, and they brought it into Sonic, and Sonic has kind of emulated that sort of culture in his character in all games to- forward. We're in 2021, and the majority of music you hear from Sonic games, like, within the past decade has still been music from the style of the 90s. So, this is from one of the most popular games, Sonic Adventure 2. It's the second 3D Sonic game in the series. And uh, another big part of this 3D uh, gameplay, like, they kind of took from Mario 64, but brought it into this, was the sense of, like, multiple storylines. Letting characters, they had six characters go in different directions in stories that sort of come together towards the end. And one of them is the third most popular character in, in the Sonic series, Knuckles the Echidna, who's like a friendly enemy to Sonic, likes to like box with him and like and like fight him and stuff like that. Like a like a like if you watch Dragon Ball Z, for example, he's basically what's that green dude's name? Piccolo. He's basically Piccolo from Dragon Ball Z. So uh, so this music from this particular game, they decided to give Knuckles this particular playstyle rap. So they hired a rapper, Tomoyo Otahani, or I think, yes, that's her name. Tomoyo Otahani wrote the music, the lyrics, and the words, translated it to English, and they, Sega, hired a rapper to come in and record every single stage of Knuckles' gameplay in the game, a fresh rap track. Guaranteed though, I'ma find the Emeralds 
Two things I want to say. Uh, one thing is you brought up these like just childhood memories because I remember when I was a kid, two of the games that I always played were Mario and uh, and Supersonic. Those were the two games that I always played. So Sega and Nintendo, I have I had them both. Um, so that it was really funny because you, you a, a lot of the stuff that you like in general are like childhood, like. Yeah, the childhood stuff, like also like Avatar: The Airbender. Um, th that's just childhood stuff. Um, so it's it's really fun to see that you you love these things and and you and, and it's hard to say like they they're just child play. No, they're not. It's it's like really great writing if you really think about it because you have to like you have to think about like you have to make songs and music that are like kid appropriate and also at the same time that's interesting. And the second thing that I really wanted to talk about was um it 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 really reminded me I, you know Dr Dre, um yeah it it sounded a lot like Dr Dre and Blackstreet Boys um oh sorry Blackstreet um no dignity no dignity uh that song because it's just got like that like very chill vibe people just together um in the streets and just chilling just you know lying around not doing anything um just chilling just talking so it's got that really great vibe to it and again you could tell that like. The, it, it, obviously it's sung by a Jap Japanese artist but it's really bringing in like western like 19 the black the Dr. Dre was 1990 uh, like 1990 like the beginning of uh, rap music uh, bringing in that culture into ja Japan and just having their own taste to it even though it sounds very similar in this in this respect yeah I, I, I love what you said I will I will interject with two points uh, the first one being that this, uh, the singer, the vocals were actually provided by an African-American rapper that flew to Japan, that they hired to rap the lyrics that were written and by the composer who was Japanese. Right. So, so it was, a, it, it added the sort of Americanization by having an actual performer be American, if you will. Yeah, I mean, uh, it makes more sense why, why the, uh, the, the accent wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that was one. And then the other thing I wanted to say is that um, you mentioned you mentioned like a nostalgia to this, but then you also talked about the similarity like from an adult perspective of Dr. Dre with music yeah. and like the chillness to smoking with music. This was originally like I played this when I was eight years old, and a lot of other people played this when they were really young, and, and that's how they fell in love with the game and the series. Uh, it really like did like when done well with video games and with full songs underneath as background music, you can capture numerous different tones to perceive what's going on, to perceive the plot, to perceive the vibe of the game, the character. I mean, this, like I said, this one character in the game, Knuckles, every single level that's a Knuckles level in the game has a fresh original rap for the, that level to describe his part of the story 
as well as like reinforcing his character and and just capturing the vibe that you get when you play as him when you understand like what he's going through you know okay he he lives his life on a floating island guarding a giant green gem and then somebody comes and shatters it and he has to travel all over the world to find the pieces so that's basically it and he's alone he's a lone wolf he's just down there in the mines looking for the gems chilling as it were you know so so i love that you brought up you sort of you sort of indirectly captured the dichotomy of styles you know the yeah. dichotomy of interpretation behind the track i mean yeah so. exactly i think i think that's what makes this uh makes this track very beautiful it's um it's i mean when you again for music it's very funny that if you bring music into different connotations it just it evokes very different emotions um and and if you give it like a different context it just it just gives off different feelings and i think that's what that's what's interesting about this specific track that you kind of like showed and displayed to everyone yeah Okay, so we've got one more before we go on to our music of the week. And this one is going back to Mario, but it's not quite going back to Mario specifically. It's actually going into Wario. Do you know who Wario is, Matthew? Yes, um, I think he's the third brother. So the first is Mario, second is Luigi, third one's Wario, right? Get out of here! Sort of. Wario was originally created in Japan literally to be the anti-Mario. He's not at all related to Mario, and he tries to be the complete opposite of what Mario stands for, what Mario is. I'm a number one! Mario is this silent, innocent plumber. Wario, and, and he's like relatively lean and, and healthy, and re- with a belly. Wario is this 300 pound, 4 foot 9, greedy, garlic loving mother mm-mer, you know, that just likes to just mess shit up and get greedy and get money and like get rich quick mm-hmm. all of so they they took this character that they introduced into the mario games and along with donkey kong which was the game that mario came from yoshi they gave him a little spin-off series with his own set of games and the reason why i chose a track from a wario game was because this was just like a completely different tone this particular track is from the game for the GameCube called Wario World. A game that you could just like be a horrible person and have a rotten day. That's his like number one <laughs> phrase. I, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna try and capture it. Have a rotten day. That's how the actor like actually captures the line. Have a rotten day. So this is a track from Wario World. Welcome to Wario World.
this is actually very jazz. Um, it uses a lot of blue scale. Um, I don't know if listeners know what blue scales is, but essentially it's just a type of scale that um, that a lot of the jazz standard use, and it uses blue scales. Um, and so this <laughs> that's why it's got that a lot of like I would say not just um have you, uh Leonard I think it's Leonard yeah Leonard Bernstein's um I forgot what that music cool yes it's got that a lot of like Leonard Bernstein cool kind of like. Uh, a connotation to it in terms of, like just the sound and just playing around with that tritone, the C and the F sharps. That it just keeps playing around with it. It's really fun. You know, when I was a childhood, whenever I played Mario, I always wanted to go into Wario's world, but I can't. I just don't know why. I can't figure it out. Like, I don't know where to go. <laughs> I always try to get to the right place, and all of a sudden, I just die. I just, like, get drowned or something. I just can't go in there. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Wario's a menace. And in that way, like, I actually feel that this perfectly describes his character. Yeah. Like, here, it's got this, like, meaty, beefy bass line with, like, with, like just dark, like, heavy berry sax that's leading the whole thing the you can imagine like a fat person walking around like reeking shit up you know I, I, and and you notice i've my language has vulgar down when i started talking about wario because it's just you just can't take this guy seriously so you know it, that's that's something that i love too about like video game music it's that it can be so diverse we can go we're literally talking about the same parent series mario and we had Super Mario Galaxy, which was this beautiful, lush, orchestral, botaceous beauty. And then we go to this shit. So. Yeah, I mean, it also tells you, like, why, why um, in general, as composers, that you want to listen to, like, a diverse amount of music. Um, <clears throat> obviously, uh, obviously, a lot of times, like, composers like to, like to write in their own style. There's one specific style that is, like, their go-to style. But in terms of, like, just composing for a specific context such as like video games and uh films you could see that the composer really put a lot of thoughts into it it's not just okay we're just gonna write in uh one specific style or we're just gonna write in beethoven style you could see there's jazz you can see there's uh, a, a rap music i mean i mean speaking of diversity you really can't get more even more diverse than this right i mean even if we talk about attack on titans i mean that that music is adopting synths you know, there's no tone to it. It's adopting synths. And then if you really dig into all the Attack on Titan film scores, it has a lot of Tchaikovsky's in there. And then if you go to the other music, it's got Hans Zimmer stuff. And then it's got, like, ballad-style, uh, ancient ballad-style writing. Um, just songwriting. You know, it, it, it's just a lot. And then uh, that, that's one you thing mean, that's so you mean ballad? You mean ballad-style, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. mispronouncing. Yeah, ballad-style uh, 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 songwriting, like, like Schubert writing. Um, so yeah, this is a, it's 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 a whole it's a whole, heck whole lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, dude. Anyway, all right. So that was it. I mean, let's go ahead and jump into our music of the week. Everybody, for those of us who are new, music of the week is basically a little segment that we end our podcast with, where we talk about uh, basically what were you listening to last week and where are your tastes going. What do you think you want to listen to this next upcoming week? So Matt, why don't you go first? Yeah, um, actually, before I started this episode, um, you know, I was very excited to talk about this episode. Darius and I have been planning on this episode for uh, a good month or two. Um, so when, 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 when Darius finally finished all his stuff and I finished all my exams and stuff, uh, Darius, I asked Darius, hey, you want to record this? And then he was like, yes, let's start this. And then um, 
I got really excited and I started listening to all the anime music. So I've been listening to a lot of anime music. One of them being actually Kiran Hey Kids. Uh, that's what I've been listening to a lot. Um, the, the music that I really want to recommend for listeners is actually another anime music. Um, it's called Fly High. And the reason why I wanted to recommend this music is that it actually captures a lot of like... Uh, it's actually one of those songs that it captures what the story is about. Um, Haikyuu. Haikyuu is actually about this like really short person who's trying to play volleyball. Um, obviously in the sport of volleyball is for giants, is for people who are like six feet tall. Um, and he's he's about he's about one one sixty one sixty five. Um, obviously, it's a big disadvantage. So, what does he need to do? He needs to fly high. Um, so that's a great anime and one of one of the best uh, metaphor that the, the 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 one of the characters talk about. It's actually a coach. He said, "Because humans don't have wings, we have to find ways to fly." And that actually like really talks Whoa. about how, exactly that really that doesn't just talk about like that doesn't just talk about. Um, a, a volleyball in general. It actually talks about like how you should go about like in life. You need to find a way to fly and spread your wings. Um, find ways to to um, to really love what you're doing and don't be constrained in what other people say about you, how other people judge you. You need to find ways to spread your wings and really fly high and just be yourself. Yeah, dude. That, that sounds epic. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. I remember actually, I think... It might have been our very first episode of the series. You mentioned Haikyuu as uh, like as as being a different part of your music of the week. Um, so I I appreciate like the second plug for that because it totally fits into what we've been talking about. You know, with anime music. I'll share I'll share for my music of the week. This past week, I I've been kind of detoxifying myself and just surfing the web and just exploring new things. But something that's been really annoying me during this whole YouTube surf thing. Ads. Ads have just been getting hella and hella more intrusive. I guess it's with the summer. Like, maybe they're just throwing in more ads on YouTube and stuff. But, like, there's been this one ad that's been going over and over and over again for, like, a clothing brand that, uh, that was, like, it, oddly, like, it was something about, like, hey, we put this, like, clothes in the laundry and it comes out nice, fresh, and clean. And, like, that was the advertisement. And it had this really nice, poppy little, like, like string, uh, string undertone, like string pits, like Tchaikovsky for third movement, like that. And, uh, and, and that was the music for the commercial. And I actually liked that track. So I took out my phone, I shazammed it and I found what the track was. It was actually like a public domain, like thing that I guess they must've paid like the composer or whatever, or the pop, the songwriter to just like use for the commercial. So, and it's only one minute long. The name of the track is actually called, um, homemade apple pie and and that's basically it so I've, I've actually been like spamming that one track for a long time we're gonna put we're gonna put it in the podcast it's literally a minute and 15 seconds long uh but i i would say that in a way like exploring music for commercials is also another aspect of like of like uh consumerism and music that can work when done well and like screen scoring if you will yeah that's another aspect yeah yeah actually a lot of um not just composers, just songwriters in general, like people who write music in general, actually earn a lot of money from just, uh, it's, we call them work for hire, WFH, not working from home. Ha. Uh, um, yeah, it's called work for hire. And basically like the company itself, such as Disney or like McDonald's will pay a, 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 a lot of money for composers, not only just to write the music, but also own like the space to make music. I mean, one famous example is the, the, the uh, McDonald's jingle. 
uh, I'm loving it. It's actually written by Justin Timberlake, um, and McDonald. Oh. Yeah, yeah, and he, yeah, he. I mean, it's a it's a buckload of money. It's, I think it's like a few million dollars just for that one catalog, and that's not it. He's he's only also uh 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 yeah he's also earning royalties off of it. Wow, I actually did not know that. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'll actually share also that um, that next week, music next week, I'm actually flying out of town. Uh, I'm going to go play some music with some people finally in a program. After like a year and a half, I'm so excited to be like with people. And it's going to be chamber music. We're doing a lot of music in small groups. And I was talking about this with Matt earlier. But the music I'm going to be listening to a lot next week, I'm going to be in Maine in like a beautiful forest with like a lake and stuff and like probably no Wi-Fi. Uh, I'm going to be listening to the Siegfried Idol by Wagner. It's a piece that the man, Richard Wagner, the opera dude, the opera legend, Matt's, Matt's lord and savior, uh, he, wrote for, he wrote for his son and for his wife, Cosima. And it's just a beautiful, intimate piece that was originally written uh, for 13 players. A string, quint- a string quintet, quartet plus bass, uh, one flute, two clarinets, an oboe, a bassoon, uh, two French horns, and a trumpet. That's it. And it's just this really intimate, colorful uh, little work that's only like 15 to 8, 20 minutes long. Just totally like a vibe if you're out in nature, listen to that. It's just, that's what I'm going to be listening to next week. I think one thing that I really love, uh, well, two things. One thing that I really love about this piece is just in 15 minutes, it's able to do so much, right? It's actually just a one movement piece if you really think about it. Um, and it's, it's a tone a, poem, yeah. It's exactly, poem. and it's already a symphony by itself, you know? Like, usually like a classical symphony, a Haydn symphony is about 24 minutes, and this music is already 18 minutes by itself, and it's able to just keep expanding, keep going. Um, just with so and with so little like amount of things that he used, right? He doesn't use use like his usual stuff, which is like okay, just like put two hundred different players and a uh, hundred different uh, and four hours. Let's just go. No, he doesn't. And then that. throw in and then throw in an opera company to sing and dance and live. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's just do that. Um, I mean, people have a lot of money to spend. We're just helping them spend the money. <laughs> 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 I mean, he broke. He did. He did bankrupt an entire uh, an entire opera house. Um, he's he was a great financial guy. He just. Yeah, you just... <laughs> well, maybe we'll do that. We'll talk about Wagner another day. But yeah, yeah, I mean, the second thing is that this this piece of music is is very beautiful. I wish, oh yeah, listeners should go listen to it. But uh, the the story to that is not so beautiful. Uh, we'll talk about Wagner another time, but it's not so great. Um, yeah, it's hey, I mean, if 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 listeners are down, like, send us a comment in the chat or like. Put a comment in the in the video or on like send us a DM on Instagram or Facebook if you want if you want us to do a podcast on Wagner like like no joke we would literally do it Matt and I would sit here and do that yeah one <laughs> thing about yeah I mean we could go on forever about Wagner obviously we have one minute left so just ten seconds Wagner is one of the most influential composers as it pertains to like just modern composers in general so I mean yeah I think at some point we have to talk about Wagner and then his influence on film music yeah. But we'll save that for another day. Yes. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to our extra-long, jam-packed episode on Japanese entertainment, from anime and J-pop to video game music across the world. Uh, we really appreciate you coming here and listening. Don't forget to uh, take a look at our other content, our other previously released episodes, as well as our summer news segments that are going to be coming out, since this Season 2 is going to be a summer series. Uh, we're really we're really gearing up for some great stuff to come. Uh Thank you all so much for being here. Have a great week. 
I'm Darius. I'm Matt. And this has been Surround Sound. Take care, so long, and see you and hear you next time. There's a comment on here in this YouTube video. This is the funniest shit ever. Listen to this. Listen to this. Conan the Barbarian writes, She could be singing about the most effective way to boil a hot dog, and I honestly wouldn't care. This is fucking amazing. <laughs> Alright, let's the other one. <laughs> no, this song is so good. I love this song. Okay, Look, that's let me so look. funny. <laughs>